0: Everyone, welcome back to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Grace Atwood, and I'm Becca Freeman. And today it's just us, and it's book club. Grace, I loved this book. I loved it too. I read it so long ago because I reviewed it for a book of the month. That like I have to like brush up, but I'm so excited to talk about this book.
1: It's fresh. I finished it yesterday.
0: Yes, you read it really quickly too. I did. I read it quickly because I was behind
1: and. I needed to finish it before we recorded the episode, but I like legitimately loved it. Like I read I, like, it in a couple of through it. it. Yeah, it was so good. So to, uh, this month's book is Normal People by Sally Rooney, and clearly we both loved it. I have a lot to say. We all have but a lot of feelings. Before we get into it, should we just talk about our weeks a little? Should we hit
0: some highs and lows? Yeah. So, Becca, what's your high this week?
1: Oh, my high is definitely designing my apartment. Is so fun. So I mentioned a few episodes ago that I'm working with an interior decorator. and about two weeks ago we went through mood boards and we look we kind of like refined what the look and feel of the space will be. And then last week, we or earlier this week rather, um, we actually started to get into floor plans and furniture. and I'm so excited. It feels like I'm living my dream Pinterest life in real life where i'm like yes i do like that image click to buy
0: yeah i i got to go upstairs last night and look at becca's um what are those like plans for, or like like sheets like is there a word for it what, what I don't she know. she gave you like, like there's presentations yeah. like yeah she has like all these decks of um design ideas from the from the decorator and like this is like my christmas like i love this stuff it's really so fun tomorrow i was really
1: excited for you tomorrow's the big day where we're looking at floor plans and pieces of furniture for the living room and dining room which i haven't seen yet i'm so excited it's really fun i'm like really enjoying making the space my own this whole decorating process is just like it's so fun
0: it's so fun i'm like i'm jealous i obviously can't afford to do this but it makes me want to just like throw everything out and redecorate my place do it that's so wasteful um Ask me my high. What's your high? My high is it just been a nice week. Um, On Sunday, like the wet last week, my low was the weather. And the weather really mostly has kind of turned it around. And on Sunday, I went to the park and I read. I had been so jealous when I moved to Williamsburg because Dumbo has like such a nice park, and so many of, of the other areas of Brooklyn have great parks. And last summer, we got Domino Park, which is my favorite place to hang out. It's just so nice, it's so pretty. It's right by the water. Being by the water really relaxes me. Um, and then, just like other fun things, um, there is a new restaurant on the roof of the Wythe called Lemons. They redid the whole place. I don't know if you guys have you been to the roof of the of the Wythe before? No, it's really nice, but they gave it like a total makeover, so it feels like you're in it, like in a beautiful, like bright tropical restaurant in italy oh that's fun yeah like all the wallpaper is yellow like there's tons of botanicals there's like a really beautiful patio it's awesome oh that's fun i have to go there i was supposed to go with you but i was yeah
1: having a stress-related debacle related to my low yes so what's your low okay so my low is last weekend i was in a you know at a wedding in austin And on Sunday night, I was flying back, and I already had an evening flight. So my flight was supposed to get in at around 11. It was delayed. We were on the flight, and we start to make our initial descent. And honestly, we experienced the worst turbulence I have ever felt. It was actually terrifying. We like started to try to land, and then we had to go back up. And then we circled Philadelphia for about half an hour. And then they made an announcement, and they were like, oh, we're landing in Philadelphia. And I was like, Philadelphia is not where I was flying. Like, this is not where I am supposed to be. Yeah. So they held us on the ground for uh, like an hour and a half. And they were making no announcements. It was like very unclear what was going to happen. And then finally, we went to a gate. They got us off the plane. At this point, it's like 1 in the morning. Oh,
0: my God. And
1: they announced at the gate that the flight, that they were staying there for the night, And that the flight would continue in the morning, but that they were not paying for any hotels or ground transportation. I don't even know how that's okay. So at this point, it's 1 in the morning in a city that I don't live in where they're not giving us anything in compensation for the flight. So basically, my option was pay for a hotel myself and then like go back at some point the next day, sleep in the airport, or figure out another way. So it was already too late. All the Amtrak trains had already left. There wasn't one until the morning. I ended up taking an Uber from Philly to New York, which is like two and a half-ish hours. It was $300. Oh, my God. I got home at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, my God. It was the worst travel day. I have a claim into United, and I haven't heard back from them yet. They should refund your flight. Well, like. apparently I don't know what their customer service is like. I've never dealt with this before, but I'll I'll let you know. But apparently they don't have any obligation to do anything if the problem is weather related. Yeah. Only if it's mechanical. Oh my god. So if there's something wrong with the plane, they have to give you a hotel room. But if there's if it's just weather and the problem was there were thunderstorms, they yeah. like technically don't owe you anything. Yeah. So I'm agree. I want to be reimbursed for my Uber.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know what's funny? This is a sidetrack, but it was United that I flew when I got stuck in Costa Rica. So I honestly, I've been thinking that American is the worst. That maybe United is the worst. I think United is the worst. Oh, it was. American has done
1: us dirty, but it was such a rough way to start the week.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, so I was in a really foul mood on Monday.
0: Yeah. So what's your low? Mine is a bullshit low, but like Game of Thrones, what the fuck? It felt really sloppy. The whole the whole last season felt sloppy. Like they were just like, we're gonna just like get this done. I heard that HBO requested ten episodes, and um the writers were like, no, you get seven. So there were only six. There were six. Yeah. Oh yeah, there were six. Well, anyways, six episodes was not enough, and I also just hate what they did to Khaleesi. Like. They built her up as this, like, strong female lead for s- seven and a half seasons, and then they just, like, destroyed destroyed her in the end.
1: Yeah. I'm really curious. I mean, so I read the books before I watched the show. Yeah. And the books stopped, like, the author stopped writing them, but he, I, I'm skeptical that he's actually going to, like, finish the series, that he says he is. And I wonder if it will end the same or if it will be, like, better resolution. Interesting. Because the books are great, and I would like something yeah. different to happen. Me too. That would make me read the books. There was also a a character in the, I think, in the books who never showed up in the series. There was, like, another Targaryen child. Oh, interesting. Who was, like, I can't remember whose son he was, but, like, across the Narrow Sea, they found him. And he never showed up in the in the show. Interesting. So maybe there's, like, a different plan of what's going to happen. I have no idea. But... Yeah. No, I'm with you. It was unsatisfying.
0: Yeah, it just felt lazy. And, like, kings and rulers need to be charismatic. And can you think of anyone less charismatic than Bran? No, I can't. I... <laughs> we, like... We were, like, hoping Bran would die. Like, Bran just became, like, our running joke. Like, when's Bran gonna die? And, like, whenever Tyrion's... This is bad, but whenever Tyrion's eyes would roll back in his head because he, he does that when he sleeps, I'd be like... Stop being like Bran and that's their king. Um, so I watched Game of Thrones in my
1: two plus hour Uber back from Philly because I was like, well, because I was on my flight when it the show was actually live and I was like, well, at least I'll get to watch this in the car. And I was already bitter because I was having such a Shitty time when I was watching the episode, and I was like, This is also shitty.
0: Everything's shitty. Yeah, everything is shitty. I'm like,
1: Well, at least I'll have this like great hour and a half of TV. And I was like, This was not a great hour and a half of TV. No. Oh my God. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I, did you expect it to redeem itself in the last episode? No. Right. But I just thought, I don't know what I thought. I think I was just so curious as to what was going to happen.
1: Yeah. Like I had kind of, because this season had been not great and especially the last the second to last episode like I wasn't necessarily expecting yeah the show to be awesome I certainly wasn't expecting brand to be the king however yeah I wasn't expecting
0: to be fully satisfied but you know what is going to be really satisfying you know what who won't let what you a down transition. what a transition good job grace us we will not let you down and if you are in Chicago well it might be sold out by now but if it's not come to our live show our live show is tonight. It's tonight, you guys. Tonight, when this airs. Yes. Not tonight. Tonight. Yes.
1: Otherwise, we would be there. We but would be there. We're, we're in my apartment tonight. It is our first live show of our tour. We
0: have incredible guests. Incredible guests. It is going to be so fun. It's going to be a really really fun night. We can't wait. Come drink wine with us. Hear from Liz Adams and Anna from C, C- Jane, and Jen Lake and Jess Keys. It's going to be great. Yeah. If you've been thinking about it and you haven't done
1: it, grab a ticket. All the tickets are on our website at batonpaperpodcast.com backslash live. Yes. And for our friends in D.C., we have an exciting little announcement, too. So our D.C. tickets are actually almost sold out. hmm But we haven't told you the guests yet, and they're pretty cool. So I think this is going to, like, give it the final push. If you're in D.C. and you want a ticket,
0: buy it now because – There are not many left. Yes. So we're going to kick off with a reading chat, like we always do, with Abra Belk from Cap Hill Style. She also is the founder of a new site called 30ish, um, and she's amazing. She's actually coming all the way from Minnesota. So she's going to be there wedding dress shopping and stuff and agreed to come and be our guest. That's exciting. And then we have an amazing panel. Becca, why don't you talk about that? So we have Meg Byram, who is a...
1: Blogger and muralist in DC. And then her is so good. And then we have September Rainier Vota from Tucker Nook, one of the founders. And then Alicia Ramos, who's the founder of Girls Night In, which is another
0: very reading centric community. So I can't wait to meet Alicia. Me I'm too. such a fan of Girls Night In and everything they're doing.
1: I'm really excited about our DC show. Yeah. This was Totally by fan demand. Mm -hmm. We weren't even going to do a DC show. And then we got so many requests. And now it's almost sold out. And I was like, who knew?
0: Yeah, who knew?
1: So I'm really excited. I haven't been to DC in a long time. I haven't been in
0: years. So it's going to be fun. Yes. I can't wait. And it's just going to be so cool. But definitely get your tickets to that. Because it's like there's not many left.
1: Badonpaperpodcast.com slash live. Do it do it. Grace,
0: should we have a desperation minute? I think that was our desperation yeah, minute. Yeah, leave enough. us a review. Follow us. Do that. Yeah, leave us a review. Five stars.
1: Can we talk about this book now? Oh
0: my gosh, yes. I I, uh, I
1: had like such an emotional response to this book. I think this might be one of the best things I've read this year. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love I mean, it. I mean, I have a lot of best things yeah. that I've
1: read this year because I discovered the idea of you and I, I really liked... Um, did I read Rules of Civility this year? Yeah, I did. Like, I've I've done a lot of good reading this year, but I loved this book.
0: Yes, I loved it too. So I think it was just so relatable. And oh my god, it was so well done. And you just like you relate to them so hardcore, but you are also shaking your head and like, don't do that. Oh, I know. Let's give a quick plot summary, and then we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So this book is a love story. But it's not a romantic love story. Yes. So the book is set in a small town in Ireland, and
1: Connell and Marianne meet in high school. So Connell is one of the popular boys, and Marianne is completely an outsider. She's like a very weird girl, and she has literally no No friends. friends. So Connell's mother works for Marianne's family as the cleaning lady, and Connell comes to Marianne's house sometimes to pick his mom up from work, and Connell and Marianne strike up
0: this kind of unlikely friendship. Yes. But then the friendship turns into more, and they start sleeping together without telling anyone. So Connell is deeply, deeply embarrassed and ashamed about this and doesn't want anyone to know. And it's really interesting because you can tell that he he totally cares about her and, like, Really, really, really likes her, but he cares so much more about what everyone else thinks. And, I mean, that's very common in high school. Um, So he is super insecure, but Marianne can't see how insecure he is. She only focuses on the fact that he doesn't want people to know and is embarrassed by her.
1: So, ultimately, Connell asks another girl, who happens to be the most popular girl in school – to a big school dance that they have. So, he asks this girl Rachel, who in the past has been very cruel to Marianne. Yeah. And he asks her even though him and Marianne are together, he's just told Marianne
0: that he loves her. And so, Marianne is obviously upset and they stop speaking. Yeah. So the book follows them then into their college years. So, they both attend Trinity College in Dublin. And this time the tables turn and Marianne suddenly finds herself the popular one um, while Connell is really struggling socially and they run into each other at a party. So Marianne is now dating one of Connell's new friends and she seemingly has everything figured out. She's more confident. She's suddenly gotten beautiful and she's really happy and at ease. Yeah. So Marianne is
1: totally thriving and Connell is really struggling. So... Uh, he's not popular at, at his college. There's also a class dynamic between them that didn't exist in high school. Marianne's family is very wealthy, and and the set of people that she hangs out with are all very wealthy, and Connell is not. Uh, he is, like, struggling to make ends meet in working jobs. Um, and her friends kind of don't love him. He's hanging around, but they he's on the outside. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they, they make offhanded comments about how badly he dresses. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So anyways, they try dating again. It seems like it's going well. But then he breaks up with her to go home for the summer and see other people. Um, But you then hear each person's perspective, and you realize they were both being insecure, and neither one of them really wanted to break up. Yeah. So they get back to school, and Marianne
1: is dating somebody else, and so is Connell. But they're still in each other's lives, and they're like, have this magnetic attraction where they have – they're not cheating on their other people, but they're having this, like, very intense email correspondence. They're just, like, they're in each other's lives in this, like, permanent way. Yes. So Marianne ends up studying abroad in Sweden, and Connell is kind of, like, getting into the literature scene at school, but, like, even time and distance and, and Connell kind of having new interests, like, they're just still – there's this magnetism. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they ultimately start dating again, but Connell gets accepted into this really prestigious MFA program in New York. And then the book just ends with her telling him that he should go, um, but that she'll always be there. Yeah. So we have a lot to talk about, but before we do, quick ad break.
1: So today's sponsor is Modern Fertility, and I'm so excited that they're back as a sponsor because I think this company is so cool. So, Modern Fertility is the first comprehensive fertility and hormone test that you can take at home. So, it's so funny because, you know, like I've spent so much of my life trying not to get pregnant. And then, you know, you're in your 30s and you're like, "Ooh, I have to make sure that I could still get pregnant if I want to." And, you know, women like ourselves, well, I don't know if we want children, but are are just waiting longer to have children and one in 6 couples have trouble conceiving and fertility testing is very expensive traditionally and it's also really difficult to access usually a doctor will not test your fertility unless you've been actively trying to have a child for 6 months and personally like i'm single i i don't know if i want children but i would like to know what my options are if i want to think about egg freezing yeah and like, I haven't been trying for six months. I, I'm not eligible for these tests. So Modern Fertility comes in, and they ship a test kit to your house. You get the results in just days. You have to do a finger prick, and it's super. but it's super easy. You just do it at home, and then you get all the results. So the kit costs $159, which I think is pretty reasonable, considering how expensive other fertility testing is, and that it's usually not covered by insurance. Um, and this is the exact same level of testing. So it gives you things like you can get a sense of your egg count, you can get expected outcomes from IVF or egg freezing, you can find out how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, and just general information about your hormone health. So after that, you get a one-on-one session with one of their fertility nurses to answer your questions and help interpret your results. So I just I think this company is so cool. It's giving women the information that they need to make informed decisions about their reproductive health. So on their site, they have some really cool tools like a fertility timeline and a quiz that demystifies fertility. And like, it's just really high quality information that like I didn't learn in sex ed. So if you are interested in taking their fertility quiz and trying one of their kits, you can get $20 off your first kit at modernfertility.com backslash B-O-P. So again, take the fertility quiz and get $20 off your first kit at modernfertility.com backslash BOP. Back to the book. So let's get into it. I like where you chose to open. Grace made the outline here. The first question is just, have you ever had a secret romance? I have not. Have you?
0: No. <laughs> it would be fun if we did. I was sleeping with someone that I shouldn't have been sleeping with and because my friends hated him. And I kind of just, like, kept it up because it was fun. But that's not a romance.
1: Also, what makes you think that if I had had a secret romance that I would want to blow up my own spot on the podcast? I just blew up my spot. I don't know. No, I've never had a secret romance. I'm sorry. That's a let... We're a letdown. Episode over. Just kidding. Okay. I... (laughs) I feel like we're kind of going to bump around a little. Yeah, bit. we're going to
0: bump around a little. There's just I we have we both have so many thoughts about this, I think. Well, I mean, let's start here. Could you relate to the characters? Yes, absolutely. I think um especially Marianne because I kind of experienced a lot of this. Like I was very, it wasn't that I was unpopular. Like nobody actively hated me. I wasn't bullied or picked on. I was just always an outsider and like very, very nerdy and uptight and focused on school when I was in high school. So I had, a, I had a great group of friends. Like I wasn't totally, total Marianne, but I, um, like no boys wanted to date me because I was like flat chested and skinny with frizzy hair and braces. Like, and then, um, when I, like was became a senior, I got my braces off, I grew up my bangs, I grew like seven inches in one year, which was like very hard on my body. you she's all that it <laughs> i did i sh- I had my she's all that moment, and then when I got to college, I was very popular like I had a i was in a cool sorority, like I had a lot going on i was you know I discovered alcohol and how much fun that was, and things kind of changed and then when I would go back to um I remember going back to like my hometown and going out and like some of the popular girls were like, why weren't we friends? And I was like, um, because you were a total bitch and I was invisible, <laughs> which is like, yeah. So I could relate a lot to Marianne just in being like the weird girl that like feels like she's totally on the outside. And then like when you have that moment where like people like you. But I do think because I I dealt with all of that when I was younger, I'm much more sensitive and I would never be mean to someone who was like on the outside or or what have you at our age, there's nobody who's like on the outside. Like it's just, you have your friends and yeah. 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 I
1: I couldn't, I think one of the things that really drew me into this book was how realistic these characters were, especially when they were in high school where it felt so real. Like I could identify to such an extreme extent with both of them and like why they were doing what they were doing, even if they were making bad choices. Yes. And um, I was thinking about it and I think I've been both Connell and Marianne oh, in, diff- in different relationships. Tell me when. Not in the same. Well, so I mean, I, I don't, it's funny for me to tell embarrassing stories about myself. So I'll tell you when I was Marianne, okay. but I don't want to tell you about when I was Connell and I was like embarrassed by somebody and like, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did something really. I did mean things. Yeah. But um in high school when I was early in high school, I have I've always been really good at math. Yeah. And so I was in a grade ahead in math specifically. Okay. And there was this guy in my math class who I sat behind and Grace. I had the biggest crush on him. Oh. Like to such an extent. And I was a um I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. So I was like on the younger end of high school and I had such a crush on this guy. Like Aww. had my friends and I had like code names for him and I just, oh my God, I was so, he was all I could talk about. I was so obsessed with him. Yeah. And he, like, we were friends in class, but he was like older and popular and like, of course, wanted nothing to do with me, and yeah. I just like lived in this fantasy world of like, oh my god, what if something ever happened? And I was like, so the Marianne, where like I was like not even on his radar, um, and it's really funny. I mean, our relationship was very different than Connell and Marianne's, but um, it's really funny because we lo- lost touch. He, he, I don't know, graduated co- high school, yeah, and in college we were both in Boston, oh. and it was the dawn of. Facebook and we'd somehow connected and we ended up going on a date. And it was this super surreal experience for me because I was like I'm not you know this like unpopular un cool, not even unpopular but just like this like uncool younger kid who like has such a crush on you. I'm like you asked me on a date but I was like so overwhelmed like I was like I don't know what to do with this like this is so crazy and I just remember being I didn't even like him but I just remember being so starstruck by the fact that we were on a date that I'd like yeah achieved this that I was like what do I what do I do yeah you know and I and I think that that's similar where it's like the power dynamic in their relationship where Marianne was just because she'd started off their relationship in high school is like This outsider, she just like – the balance of power was always weird and she felt like she – she was like always insecure if if Connell actually did
0: want to be with her. This is a total sidebar, but I think this is something that you said to me a while back. We were talking about the power dynamics in relationships and there was a person that I went out with – it was so sad because we went out like three or four times and – I liked him so much and he just kind of ghosted me and just like fizzled away. It's the one that I quit the gym over. So this guy, I didn't see him at the gym and I just like had to stop going to the gym because um, I didn't. It was just like it was painful and weird. Um, And it's it's so strange how you can like someone so much when you only go out with them like a handful of times. But anyway, you said something so smart and you're like, you just need to give this up because like once the power dynamic is altered that way, you can't go back. Right, like once you like them so much more than they like you, you can't go back like even if they start liking you the same it's it's really hard to recover from that. I don't think it's impossible, but like I, I
1: don't I don't know how to say this nicely, but like I don't think you were going to like go him into loving you back, but then, like you would all if you just like if i mean, if you kept being friends with
0: him or if you kept like running into him or seeing him like it, you were just never going to like move on. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it was just such smart advice and I think that's when I like moved on. I, yeah. This was a long time. This was like a couple years ago. Well, but it was
1: it, it stuck with me. So, the other thing about the characters that I found so so relatable. We actually talked about this um two episodes ago, the one when we were talking about our 20s versus our 30s. The other thing that I thought was so like, heart-wrenchingly relatable was on Connell's side, this swing from being, like, really blindly confident when you're young to then becoming, like, more self-aware and self-critical. Yeah. And like we were talking about how our confidence is, like, ebbed and flowed yeah, and throughout our lives. Yeah, last week's episode. Or two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And that just felt so real to me that, like, I, I experienced this, I think, later than he did. Mm-hmm. mine was after I was out of college, but being like, of course I can do everything. Of course I'm a special snowflake. Like I'm great. And then being like, oh God.
0: Yeah. I'm actually terrible and really stupid.
1: Yeah. And like that just felt, that emotional roller coaster just felt so real to me that I think like most people can relate to that. Like I thought these characters were, and, and at times they
0: were doing things that were so unlikable, but I was like, I get you. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're cringing, but you're like, oh, this feels so – I just felt so understood, I feel like. Yeah. In a weird way, even though it wasn't about me. I mean, I think, like, later in
1: the book, they kind of get into darker subject matter, and Mm -hmm. I think they become less relatable. But when they're they're young, when they're in high school and early college, I'm like, oh, my God, yes, this is the experience of, like, dating somebody in – high school who's in a different social strata and like this is the experience of like going to college and like reconnect like it's like yes like it just Mm -hmm. is so perfectly captured yes agreed so i know one thing you wanted to talk about was
0: about kind of how connell was embarrassed yes so i think you know it had a lot more to do with him than her and he was just so she was so insecure and like you know, for good reason because nobody liked her. But he was also insecure and just, you know, felt like he was on the edge of the popular kids because he didn't have, like, this family money or wealth or anything. So I felt like he was, like, on eggshells. And I was like, well, I can't do this. And I thought it was so interesting when he realized that, like, if he liked her, no one would have cared.
1: And that's the hard thing where you're, like, and not about dating people, but, you know, I feel like sometimes you get so in your head where you're, like, people are going to judge me or like, you know, people are talking about this and like at
0: the end of the day, nobody cares, but it feels so yeah, big
1: in the moment.
0: And I think like one of the best lessons that I've learned as an adult, like this, this is what I think about when I go to the gym because I get nervous taking those fancy classes is that no one really cares about I mean, people care about you, but like no one really cares what you're doing. Everyone's just so focused on themselves.
1: And even if it's like in the moment, like even if you're doing a real awful job and like somebody looks over and they're like, that girl's like really flailing. Like, yeah, it doesn't stick with you. Like I've never forget. Like I couldn't go through a list in my head of like people I've seen at workout classes doing a bad job. Like it's just so in the
0: moment. and Yeah. Passes. Yeah. But this kind of tied back to that so well in that like. All of these kids were dealing with their own high school angst yeah. and their own insecurities. And they literally did not give a fuck what anyone else did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that was, like, that was what was so heart-wrenching. hmm Because, like, doesn't his friend say to him, like, oh, yeah, everyone knows that you were, like, together? Yeah. And, like, the whole basis that their relation the whole basis of their relationship disintegrating was because he didn't want people to find out and it was like you could have had both you just Mm -hmm. like you were too embarrassed and you were like you got in your own way and it's like I totally understood why it was happening but I was just like uh, Mm oh I don't know yeah what about their relationship dynamic like there so the dynamic of their relationship was that inside the bubble of their relationship they just were like two people who just like understood each other on such a deep level like -hmm. have you ever had that in
0: one of your relationships i'm trying to think i think um In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I think that I've had that and then been like, oh my gosh, wow, this person really doesn't actually get me that much at all. I've had that twice. But then I've also been let down by them.
1: I think I've had this feeling more in friendships than in relationships where people can point to something and be like, oh, that's so Becca. Mm -hmm. And it's something that like you might be judged for otherwise but you're like no i know they're not judging like you just like yeah you feel so absolutely yourself
0: yeah but like, i like when alex brought me a body wash to thank me for dealing with her crazy cat yeah yeah it's a yeah. little things
1: but it was like they had this intense relationship that i actually found to be like super aspirational Well, I mean, at points, because it obviously kept falling apart. But like, I was like, oh, my God, like having this Mm -hmm. level of like connection
0: yeah, and not
1: even just sexually, because like there are some sex scenes in the book and like it's just like they have a sexual chemistry on another level, but having like the the emotional connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it was making me
0: a little bit like. It made me be like, okay, maybe I should revisit my dating apps. I know, me too. Yeah, I was like, maybe there's love for – maybe there's hope out there. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I – you know what was one of my favorite parts of the book? Was I saw you put this in the outline and I totally agree. That moment when they ran into each other at the party. It was just like every girl's kind of fantasy when you run into that guy that or the ex or like – Anyone even, it could even be like a girl who was mean to you in high school and you look amazing and you seemingly have everything, fu- put everything um pulled together. Like whenever I run into an ex or someone that I've dated or had a crush on, I'm usually like frizzy haired in yoga pants. Like she had her, she was, you know, looking her very best and feeling her best and kind of in charge of the room, whereas he was really struggling. Well, it was just such a surprising moment because like he wasn't yeah. expecting to see her She
1: gets introduced by her boyfriend who is this like big man on campus and he's like you should meet my girlfriend and then it it turns out to be Marianne and she like has all these friends and she's like doing so well for herself. And I was just like I felt I was like yes girl get it because he had mistreated her and so like I wasn't necessarily sympathetic with him yet in that point of the book. Yeah. And it was just like yes like yeah. Get your glow up, Marianne. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of the book. I know. I I felt really vindicated. I felt like this book was such like a roller coaster because like they I kind of felt like I knew they couldn't be together. And I don't know if I knew that because of things I'd heard about the book or if, if it was just a feeling I was getting from the book where it was like you know these people aren't going to get together you want them to be together they like keep coming together and then falling apart for dumb reasons yeah um and you feel so bad about it but like the highs of like yeah Marianne like yeah you have friends now you're popular like it's yeah, so great but then the, there are like definitely some lows like there are I thought this book did a really interesting job of blending this, like, love story with some, like, very heavy, yeah, heavy themes and topics, you know, like, yeah, like, the family, for example, right, so we didn't talk about this in the outline, but, like, it turns out that Marion's father has, used to be abusive, and her brother is abusive, and her mother is kind of just, like, weirdly detached. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has this terrible family dynamic, and like that's informing, yeah, a lot of her
0: relationship struggles. Yeah, and it trans translates to her sexually, like having like she wants to be hit, and and then a lot of Cunnell's
1: insecurity is that like he knows that he has this power over her, and he doesn't want to hit her or abuse her, but he knows that he could, yeah. and he doesn't like that, and yeah. and like it's. <sighs> Like, there's definitely a lot of mental struggle underneath why Mm -hmm. they can't be together. Like, it's at the end, it's circumstances. But, like, throughout the book, like, there's a lot of, like, underlying heavy baggage of, like, why they're not together. And, like, also, I thought that it was very interestingly dealt with, like, Connell's depression Mm -hmm. in this book. And, like, she wants to be with him and he's just, like detached and not capable of being with anyone, you know, like I thought it was such an interesting, complex love story that at times didn't feel real because I, there were, there was darkness in it, in the abuse and the sexual fetishes that like, I don't frankly relate to. Yeah, no, same. But... Like it, it just felt so messy and real, and I just like understood their motivations as characters. Like I don't know.
0: I think that the Game of Thrones writers could take some tips from from Sally Rooney. I know, seriously. Yeah, not everything needs to be wrapped up in a bow. Seriously. Well, I want to. I want to spend some time talking about the ending. Yeah. So in the end, she tells him to go to New York. And, you know, even knowing, like, it seems like maybe they finally figured it out and are in this place where they can be together. Would you have told him to go to New York? I mean, I can't put myself in in,
1: in her shoes in that way. They were also way. so young, too. I mean, I think one of the things was, like, of course, she shouldn't have told him to stay for her because that would, like, breed jealousy and resentment. But at the same time, like... Couldn't she have just gone to New York, too? Like, she was very wealthy. Yeah. And she was into school, but she wasn't into school in such a way that it was, like, important for her to stay on for a post-grad degree there versus somewhere else. Yeah. She, like, didn't have a family that she needed to be close to. I, like, I got why she did it because, like, she was so insecure in their relationship that, like, she always thought he was trying to leave. So she was like, go. Yeah. But... I, I really wanted them to be together. I'll I'll tell you. So we have in here like, did you like the ending? And I did. I think it felt real. I think it felt really good. But um I also for the whole last probably like 30 to 50 pages like i just i thought something really tragic was gonna happen i did too i thought one of them was gonna die i did too like there was this moment where i thought they were gonna get into a car accident mm-hmm. i thought that maybe connell was gonna kill himself like i have I that I, I, I kept thinking something very dark was going to happen and so the simplicity of just like oh like circumstances we're finally ready to be together and then like nope distance and like yeah you know, circumstances pulls this apart was like very poetic.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah. I don't know. What did you think of the ending?
0: I, um, I had the same reaction as you. I was like, why couldn't she go too? because it seemed like she was worldly and curious and wealthy. And like also with the family stuff, like I was like, this would be good for her. Like get, Mm -hmm. get out, go to New York. But, um, so I wondered that, but I also just like, I can just, sometimes I just really appreciate when a book, um, doesn't, tie everything up with a happy ending.
1: And I think that this is – that's this author's M.O., and I think it yeah. was clear through the book that this wasn't leading towards a happy ending. Yes. But – and I think it was happier. Like, they – No one died. No one died. They, like, they were doing better in this round of their relationship than in past where they both loved each other and they felt secure and they knew it and they were better people than they had been. Yeah. It's so, like, their love had changed them. Yeah. Which I think was, was nice, but – I like a happy ending, generally. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you read some of this more like literary fiction, you're like, you know, you're not going to get it. So I guess yeah. I wasn't disappointed in the same way that I. I don't want to like give spoilers to other books, but like when a book that you think is going to a happy place all of a sudden has like a left turn and it's yeah. like a sad ending.
0: I needed to read like a Christina Lauren book after this, yeah. like something that will guaranteed have a happy. Yeah, satisfying I, ending.
1: I just finished it yesterday. I don't know what I'm going to read next. Mm. But
0: I mean, did did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I couldn't stop thinking about it for days later. Me too. I feel I feel very um, bereft that it's over. Yeah. I read it in 24 hours and I got really attached to the characters. So then I was like, oh, and now they're gone. Like my friend's
1: I think this book more than most, I'm very curious what our audience
0: thinks about yeah. because I don't know that it's going to be like an across the board. I don't think it's going to be a runaway favorite. I had a lot of – so I reviewed it on my blog a while Mm -hmm. back and I had a lot of readers say that they did not like it.
1: Oh, interesting. I did see one person in the Facebook group – say that they were having such a hard time with it because of the quotation marks. I thought that was interesting. That honestly didn't bother me. It didn't bother me either. But I can see where it would be really bothersome. Yeah. I, I, I loved this book, but I know... Did you read her
0: other book, Conversations with Friends? No, you did. So, like, literary fiction isn't my usual favorite. It um, It's just kind of slow-moving and stuff, but now I kind of think maybe I want to read this one.
1: Well, it was... I, I liked conversations with friends I liked this more okay but the difference between them was in conversations with friends you're kind of not rooting for anyone and I I don't like books like that my friend Lauren read it and she came back to me and she was like I kind of hated it and she was like everyone was so awful and I was like yeah but like isn't everyone in their very early 20s kind of low-key awful like you're making bad decisions you're like hurting other people like that's kind of just what it is like that's real and in this one i feel like you were like rooting for the two people to be together and so like even though they were not perfect people and made bad decisions you were like i feel like you understood them yeah and why they were doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely liked this better than conversations with friends. But I think it's really interesting. And I think Sally Rooney is so talented in capturing the realness of what it is to be, you know, in your, your college years or like early 20s. Yeah. I agree. I
0: agree. Well,
1: completely. wait. So I have a question for you that I was thinking yeah. about in the shower
0: before I came over. Um, Do you think this is a young adult book? No. I think it's about young adults.
1: But isn't that by nature what a young adult book is? Like a book about the experience of being in high school? or
0: I don't know. I honestly don't know that I would have enjoyed this as much when I was young as I do now. Because like when you're in the thick of it, like as a young person, it's like you're experiencing all that and it's not fun. As a 30-something, it was nice to read it and like be have some distance. I
1: I do agree with that. Like I think this is definitely a book about young adults – geared towards adults, because, like, you can only see this in hindsight, where you, like, have this, like, heart-sick connection with, like, what's happening to these characters. And you're like, I understand it, but I can't stop it. Yes. But, I mean, I think a lot of young adult fiction is read by adults. Like, even, like, The Hunger Games and fantasy books, like, that's young adult, but the people who are reading it are adults. Yes. Yes. So, I, I don't know. Like, I think... I'm interested in this question because I think that, like, we think of young adult books as, like, trash. Like, in order to be a young adult book, it has to be kind of bad and trashy.
0: I think it just needs to be written with young adults as the target.
1: I don't think so because, like, I would consider the thousandth floor young adult fiction. And, like, I don't think a 13-year-old today would get it. Like, I don't think they've, like, seen Gossip Girl and would, like, care. Like, all adults are reading that book. Okay. Uh, But I, I think that this is an interesting genre crossover where it's like, it is by definition like about young adults. So it's like kind of a young adult book, but it's like a very smart book. Yeah. It's like very thought provoking and provocative in a way that like young adult fiction doesn't tend to be. Yeah. But I don't think it necessarily, like, I don't think it, because it's smart, it can't be a young adult book. I don't know. I... It's. I think about this a lot because we started the podcast as a young adult book club.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I think
1: know. there's like, uh, I think on the whole, the f- feedback has been very positive, but there's like a small kernel of people who are like, read more young adult books.
0: And I'm like, yeah. does this count? Yeah, I don't think it counts. That's my answer. Okay. Yeah. I it's don't-
1: not the trash brain candy stuff. No. But it, like...
0: But I think there's also like, did you read? Um, oh my god, The Hate You Give, like that's a young adult book. That's not trash. There's so many well-written young adult books. I think so too. But I think when what do you think of when you think of the genre? I th- I think of I think of trash. Yes, I think it's not be trash. It, I I enjoy I think it. Of a light, easy read. Yes, yeah. like a guilty pleasure or something. Yeah. Whereas I think you know this was on the list for the Man Booker Prize. Like I know is it's very literary. Yes. So I think that like classifying it as YA would be. I mean, I think that we maybe need to break the stigma around calling something YA. But I don't. I think that I wouldn't feel comfortable calling this a young adult book. Can I say the most elderly <laughs> yes. thing I've ever said? Yes. Do you know any teens? Um, Do you know any young people? I don't know any teens. I've got my intern who is twenty-two. I think I would just be and, so curious because I feel like this generation who edits this. I know she's
1: twenty-two. If anyone listening knows any young people, any young folk. Yeah. I, I'm so curious because I feel like the generation that is coming up is much more woke yes. than we were when we were that age in terms of sexuality and mental health and just like being just more introspective in general. Mm-hmm. We're like, I wonder if this is the type of book that somebody who is currently like a thoughtful brooding 16 year old would enjoy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd be curious.
1: I'd be curious, too. I'd like to talk
0: to some youths. Yes. Where do we find them?
1: No idea. (laughs)
0: No idea. Yes. Oh, my God. We sound so old. Ask a youth. It
1: can be like a section.
0: Ask a youth. A new segment. (laughs) Tell me about this slang word. What do you think of this book? Oh, my God. Should we make that be a new thing where our listeners can write in?
1: Frankly, like, if we had a youth on hand, like, I would love to ask a youth a
0: bunch of things. Yeah. We could ask Cassidy. Yeah. She's 22. I want somebody younger than that. So you want someone who's half our age. Yeah. I want to know what they think of this book. Let's let's find one. Okay. Okay. That's this is a weird (laughs) this is a weird sidebar. It's a weird place to So the takeaway is we loved this book. It is not YA. It's amazing. And we really liked the ending and it wasn't so like clear cut and tied up with a bow. Do you think that this is the smartest book we've read on the podcast so far? I think it might be. I think so too. I'm trying to think because we don't. We generally pick like bestsellers, and well, this was a bestseller, but like more um, mass fiction. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm actually very curious what people think. Like, send us a message, or I, I'll start a thread in the Facebook group, maybe. Like, I mean, we
0: did read "Listen to Your Heart," and that was pretty smart. Stop it. That was the dumbest book. <laughs> that was we've the ever book I've ever the worst. That's book That's the I've other read side of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, but um, I know, I know from our Facebook group, like I've when we talk about like what are things that other people have read like i think there are a lot of literary readers because like you know it's like an american marriage and mm-hmm. um I, I can't that's the only example i can think of right now for some
0: reason or american spy yeah like there's there's or, um what what is her name i love her little fires everywhere and celeste um, Ng. yeah. yeah um
1: i'm just i'm so curious how this book is is received in our in our little book
0: club yeah because i know i'm I'm so glad that both of us enjoyed it. I think the Facebook group is probably going to be popping today. I'm excited. I hope so. I want to hear whether you liked it or didn't like it. Like we can have negative conversations too. Yeah, because we need to pick a July book soon. And I yes, I really want it to be American Spy.
1: I kind of I was thinking about that earlier, and I was like, I don't know what we would talk about okay. so much. It I might know. be we'll like see. Cersei, where it was like it's such a, a good, good book, book, but a bad conversation. Yeah, I
0: don't know. We'll see. What we, going I think? Should we talk about some other things? Yeah, well, wait. What's our June
1: book? Oh, my God. Our June book is The Idea of You. I goaded Grace into it You did not have to
0: goad me. You had to goad me to read it. But once I read it, I was like, yeah, this is – we need an episode about it.
1: We need to talk about it. I, like, I need the support group to be real. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to talk about this book. I also need an excuse to reread this book. I I can't wait to just – Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. So The Idea of You is the book that I have not been able to stop talking about for the past Mm -hmm. three plus months. Mm -hmm. It's a woman meets the fictionalized version of Harry Styles at a boy band concert that she's taking her tween daughter to. And she starts this like very hot and heavy, but very tender affair with him. Mm-hmm. And the book is steamy. The book is like a great love story. Oh, it is like it is everything. Yeah. It's brain candy in that it's just like I tore through it. I stayed up until 4 a.m. reading one day. I read the whole book in like, I don't know, 18 hours, like as fast as I could consume it. Yeah. Um, But it's well written. Yeah. It's not that Fifty Shades of Grey where you're like, I'm cringing, but I have to know what happens. You were like, I am enjoying this like immensely yes read it the idea of you by robin lee that's gonna be our june book i'm so excited i know a lot of people in our community have already read it but like
0: yeah I'm, i need to talk about it yeah it's i will be. never be over this book no i won't either until she writes a sequel but we'll get to that we'll get to that yes so, what are you obsessed with this week? And I'm looking at the outline, and this—do you know that I had this in as my obsession, and I took it out because the my current obsession is more timely after that meeting I had? Oh, so if you—no, I didn't yeah. know that. So I moved it to, ne- to be next week's obsession. Well, you we have to find but a now. I have to find a new one.
1: I didn't realize that. So, um, my obsession is this product. It's called Charlotte Tilbury Wonder Glow. It's magical. It is a primer. It goes on under your foundation. And it, like, gives you this dewy skin glow that I have been searching
0: for forever. So just to, like, add to that, if you put Beauty Counter Dew Skin over that, it's, like, their tinted moisturizer. It's that – remember that day where you were, like, what is going on with your skin? That That was it. Those two products together are, like –
1: I've never tried Dew Skin, but I might need to. But my – it gives me this glow look that, like, I have just never achieved through any other product. So we discovered it. Because of, of Cassandra, who is the makeup artist who did our makeup for our live show in New York, yes. she is going to be our guest next week, and we're going we've we're going to ask her so many makeup questions. Yes. But she used this on us, and she used so many products that it was like really hard to tell like what was the thing that made me look great. But you ordered this, and then so I was like, oh, I'll order that.
0: It's fabulous.
1: I, I how long has it been? Like, I guess I've been using it for like. A month and a half or so Mm -hmm. it is like the wonder product that i'm like how is this possible like it is such a transformation
0: nobody does highlighter i well i do think flesh beauty's highlighters are really good i have not tried their primer um i I will say oh their primer is really good oh we talked about it forever with linda we did but i haven't
1: tried it but this is like because honestly you could use both of them to be honest oh
0: really because i only put Dew skin on parts of my skin Mm. um whereas i put the flesh beauty primer everywhere no, I put this everywhere. Yeah, interesting. Um, I put it all over my face. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlotte. The other Charlotte Tilbury product I swear by is the Flawless Filter.
1: I like that. I do think it's good. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, this is to me like a holy grail. Yeah. product. Agreed. Charlotte Tilbury Wonder Glow. It's magical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that was my obsession. But then I had this amazing meeting this week with Universal Standard. So, you know, as I've been doing this inclusivity challenge on my blog, the um, Universal Standard was a brand that I was introduced to me because they carry like really classic pieces at size zero to 40. So they had gifted me this trench coat and I am absolutely obsessed with it. It's just like the perfect classic trench. But then I got invited back to just like have a meeting with the two co-founders and learn more about what they were doing. And I'm just so blown away because of what they have going on on their website. So you can go into their website and then you hit a button that says, I think like see in my size and they shoot every single style, every single style in every single size, which is all the way up to it from a zero to a 40. That's crazy. Not only that, but they shoot everything from every angle. So you can see something from the front, from the back, from the side on a body that looks like yours. That's actually really incredible. So I think that so many brands um, say, like, we can't afford to do that. We can't afford to do that. And Universal Standard is a 22-person company, and they're making this happen. So I just think that ideally what they're doing becomes, and like this is a play on their te- their name, the actual Universal Standard like, I would love to see more brands doing what they're doing. And I think that they release fewer styles. Like, they will, like, maybe launch, like, one or two new items a week. Like, there'll be, like, a new trench coat and a new style in denim. Whereas if you look at, like, a J Crew or Madewell, it's, like, they launch, like, s- like huge collections every week. So I do think that um, you have to slow down a little bit. But I think what they're doing is just incredible. And the clothes are great. So I got this pair of jeans that have like they're um like kind of like a little bit boxy but they're um like a nice indigo blue and they have like a black tuxedo stripe going down the side they're super cute oh i think i've seen other women wear those yeah and then i got like a really beautiful slip skirt which i didn't even know they made because it's very feminine and their clothes are pretty like kind of like unisex and classic like they have great basics like t-shirts trench coats um blouses like button downs, jeans. But I I saw that skirt and I was like, "Ooh, you're my style." Um mm. so I'm just a big fan and I just I really believe in voting with your dollar and supporting companies that are doing really great things and I think that what they're doing is just so wonderful and I hope going to change the fashion industry.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. I, I haven't checked that out. I saw it on your story, but I haven't checked out their website and done it in my size yet. But I'm excited to like, yeah. go
0: browse. It's just so nice because I also like and I'm not complaining, but like I never see my body represented in um, like on websites when I'm shopping. Like the closest thing that there has been has been the Anthropology Plus collection because I think that the model is like a six or an eight. So it's just so nice to see something that you can relate to a little bit more like everyone most models in my book in my experience are either like a size zero or a plus size yeah so it's nice to see like more of a range yeah yeah what about instagram instagram oh i am following this amazing astrology account called sanctuary world and that's sanctuary world with no o so w r l d so they just post a lot of I love horoscope memes, like things like, and I just feel so seen because every Libra thing that they post, I'm like, oh my God, that's so me. Um, There was a really funny Virgo one that I was meaning to send you (laughs) to, but it's just a fun account and I love astrology and I really believe like I am total, total Libra rising Virgo. So I kind of, I
1: didn't know what to put as mine and I kind of stole your genre of what you were doing because I was like, I don't know what to put. Do you know what I hate? Can I vent for a second? I hate that Instagram doesn't sort your followers, your follows by newest first because I I follow things and then I don't remember what they are and then I can't like go look at my follow list and be like sort by newest to oldest. Mm -hmm. I wish I could. I would be way better at doing Instagram follows every week if I did.
0: Yes, same.
1: So anyway, I was struggling to come up with one this week and I saw yours and then it made me think of this account I love called rude ass enneagram oh I'm following
0: this is right at my alley have
1: too. you taken an enneagram test yet yes what are you
0: I am I don't remember I'm three I'm like I forget which ones I am grace
1: um okay so for anyone who doesn't know an enneagram test is this personality test oh I'm 395 you can't be a 395 yes I can no, you have to be three, and then your wing is one of the numbers, either one higher or one lower. So you can be a three-wing two or a three-wing four, but you can't be like three, five, nine.
0: No, the test said that I'm a three, and then also a nine, and then a five. I don't think that that's... Anyway, what do I know? Yeah. What are you? Three, wing four. Hmm. So, so maybe I'm a three-wing nine and wing five. You can't
1: be... You can only be a wing to the one hi... one higher or one lower. Anyway, so it's this personality test and it is eerily spot on. Yeah. So there's nine types and then e- each type has like kind of like a secondary one that's either the one above it or below it. And mm-hmm. it is eerily predictive of like, I don't know, but this account is all of these Enneagram memes and I feel so insulted most of the time because it's like it's making fun of you basically based on your type yeah and I'm like oh my god that's absolutely me like it's scary yeah so I have loved following this I also think the Enneagram test is just interesting in general yeah um I'd never heard of it until I don't know like maybe a year ago or so and I think it's so much more predictive of like my personality than like the Myers-Briggs test which I feel like is a little more about like your work personality you're like your career-minded type versus this is, like, my basest
0: me. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but I love this account. I think it's hilarious. Um, I'm excited to follow it because – So I've been doing – I did the Enneagram back, like, eight years ago. Oh, wow. When I met my ex's mother, she made me take it, and she was, like, super weird about it. She's like, you have to take this test. Like, I need to know what type you are. Um, And I don't remember what my type was then. I think it's changed. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is – Take the test because it's really yeah. interesting, but then follow this account because it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I see that on reading we are very much on the same wavelength. I know. Are so, we morphing into the same person? I don't know. Well, we, we both got this sent to us. But like I live upstairs now. Yeah. We both have the same a primer obsession.
0: We're yeah. both reading the this same book. This is getting books. really dull. Um, so, so we both read Park Avenue Summer, which I loved because I love historical fiction and I love anything about magazines Like because I always wanted to yep. work for a magazine so I was fascinated by it. So it was about Helen Gurley Brown who was the first female editor in chief of Cosmopolitan magazine.
1: Yeah and she really turned it into like the sex positive outlet
0: Yeah, that it, it is. It was basically like good housekeeping f- before she yeah. came on.
1: Um, So this book for me started really slow same and I actually switched to another book the, the other book you're reading yeah. um because I was like eh, I want something faster paced and then I when I was on this terrible flight on Sunday not just because I was on the terrible flight I got so deep into this book and I I was like it was such a page turn yeah like yeah. it really picked up maybe a hundred pages in and it I, does it picks right I was so into the drama I was so into it I love the so the book jacket for this, one of the blurbs says that it's The Devil Wears Prada meets Mad Men. Oh my god, it is. It is, and I'm like, "Sold." Yeah. Sold because it's in the it's in the 60s. Yeah. And it's like a female Mad Men. Like the protagonist mm-hmm. is this like girl who's at her first job working for this like powerful, known woman who's
0: yeah, and she even like has such like, a force. She has like the romance that Anne Hathaway, that Anne, I know, had. I know with like the the bad boy. I know the whole thing. It's it was really good. I will say my chief complaint was that
1: it ended a little abruptly. Yes, but I I loved this book. I loved it. It was it was a great read. Highly I think this would be it. a good summer beach read. Yes, because it's like it's like pretty fluffy. It's easy to just like pick up and put down. Mm-hmm. But it's like it kept my attention. And at the end, I, like, I
0: really liked it. I really liked it. And I, I will say, I, it took me, like you said, it was a little slow. Like, there was a couple nights where I would, like, just fall asleep reading it. And then it, like, picked up. And I remember it was, I stayed home on a week, on a weekend day and just read and read and read until I finished it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Loved. And now I'm also reading American Spy, which Becca talked about last oh, week. I'm so excited to hear what you think yeah I love it so far but I'm having one of those weeks where I haven't had like a reading night and I think I'm gonna do that tonight like I have like maybe an hour of work to do but be- when we finish recording and then I'm gonna just like take a bath and read oh I
1: want real-time updates I will send great yeah guys this has been really fun yeah. I want to talk more about this book on the internet yeah so come
0: to the Facebook group and let's chat
1: yeah, and if you aren't
0: already, you can find me on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And then I also have my blog, thestripe.com, where I post six days a week. We can't wait to talk to you next week with our favorite makeup artist. Yes, our favorite makeup artist, Cassandra. She is amazing. And you guys look I, Becca, I don't know if you saw the outline for this one yet, but the questions are epic. We're going to learn a lot. Like, I'm We're ready to learn, learn so so much. Like I was like, yes, I want to know that. Yes, I want to know that too. Can't wait. Um, so I'm so excited for her episode.
1: Yay! Yay. See you next week. All right, bye, guys. Bye.